0: Sprite Castle Sprite Castle Sprite Castle With Rob O'Hara Sprite Castle Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Championship Wrestling, brother! Which was chosen this episode... <laughs> <laughs> by Patreon supporters like Michael Ryan, Nathan Hart, and the biggest wrestling fan I know, Mr. Wacky. If you would like to help pick the next episode's game or just support my podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and sign up today. Championship Wrestling was published for the Commodore 64 in 1986 by Epics. It is a game for one to eight players that uses joystick controls. We have talked about Epics previously on this show many times. Uh, I have covered... Games such as Jumpman, Jumpman Jr., California Games, Barbarian, Sword of Fargo, and most recently Street Sports Basketball. We've talked a lot about Epics on this podcast. Epics was obviously one of the biggest uh, releasers or publishers of software, of quality software for the Commodore 64. When you saw the Epic's name, you knew it was going to be a good game. Their name was up there with companies like Electronic Arts and Broderbund and Hewson and and some of the other big companies like that. But they didn't develop all their games. This game was actually developed by a company called Free Radical Software, which was founded by Richard Ditton, who was formerly a NASA software engineer, and Elaine Hodgson, who was a biochemist. So, uh, if nothing else, this game comes from a very high pedigree. Uh, Those uh, two people, their company, Free Radical Software, were responsible for porting winter games to the Amiga and to the Atari ST, but they weren't around long under that name. They uh, changed their name to Incredible Technologies. And then they moved from porting computer games to uh, releasing uh, arcade games. And so one of the first arcade games they released. Was a 1988 title called Capcom Bowling, and so they really liked this idea of a trackball type game and using a trackball to simulate a ball rolling, uh, in, you know, in a real sport. And so they changed their name again to Strata Games. And under Strata Games, they released uh, several other arcade games, including uh, Arlington Horse Racing, Shots Tennis, Poker, Dice, uh, they did a lot of sports types games. They were responsible for Ninja Clowns, which a lot of people know if you've, uh, ever been in any sort of, uh, around people playing MAME. That's a, a name that gets pulled up just because of its crazy title and premise. Ninja Clowns, they did Time Killers. But in 1989, they went back to the trackball and they did Golden Tea Golf. They changed their name to Incredible Technologies. uh, And they, as you probably know if you've been into any sports bar over the past couple of decades, they milked the heck out of the Golden Tee Golf franchise. uh, And they stayed there until they began to see the decline of coin-op arcade games, at which point they moved into slot machines, hardware, and software development. So uh, that is what Incredible Technologies is doing today today. The world's hottest wrestling action with eight of the most insane wrestlers on the planet have come to the Commodore 64 play against the computer, play head to head against a friend or start a tournament with up to eight players in a round robin style game Uh, this is a professional wrestling game in the style of WCW or back then WWF now it's WWE um, Mid-South Wrestling it is that's what this is over the top professional wrestling there was a rumor at the time that it was released that this was supposed to be a WWF sponsored game but that the company could not obtain the license. I've never found any actual uh, evidence of that, but that was the rumor at the time. Uh, The box tells us everything we need to know about the game. The title on the front says Championship Wrestling. There is a guy in the corner that looks an awful lot awful lot like Hulk Hogan. Uh, then there is another wrestler who is flying, uh, towards the camera with a painted face. The UK cover is a little bit different. Um, it, instead of having, uh, what looks like Hulk Hogan and a guy with a painted face, it has a guy that looks a lot like Andre the giant <laughs> with another wrestler and a headlock. Uh, The back of the box tells us a little bit more about the game. So let's go through that. Uh, Again, at the top, it says Championship Wrestling. It is the words appear inside a wrestling ring. It also has that title trademarked. Uh, Championship Wrestling is trademarked. I find it very difficult that that would be uh, a trademarkable title. It seems too generic, but I, I uh, I suppose you could do it. Anyway, of course, we've got screenshots, and then we've got the bulk of information that explains what the game is going to be about. It's And by the way, uh, at the very beginning, there is a picture of a wrestler um, that, I mean, from a few inches away, looks exactly like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he's got, it looks like a blonde uh, headband on, maybe, or maybe he's bald, but it looks blonde. And blonde, very short, or yellow, uh, short wrestling shorts and yellow wrestling boots. I mean, it, this is so close uh, to ripping off Hulk Hogan. Uh, it begins, it says, and now we proudly present these sultans of slam, the gurus of gashes, the champs of chokes, the meanest, nastiest, loudest fighters the canvas has ever seen. Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you the guys who use every dirty trick known to man and a few that aren't smash somebody's face in the comfort of your own home take on any of eight rowdy wrestlers each with their own way of busting heads from kc colossus whose trash compactor turns victims into waste matter to prince vicious who gets a crush on every opponent Literally use leg drops, spin kicks, body slams, rope bouncing, a flying drop kick, a suplex, an airplane spin, even the infamous atomic drop to mangle these dudes. You'll need over 200 stitches. If you don't, that's a really odd thing to throw in a very precise, specific, uh, specific or precise. That's a, a, a pacific or some spice uh number of stitches but there you go knock yourself out trying the crowd will cheer they'll boo they'll egg you on or simply throw the eggs the scoring will be based on the complexity of your moves and of course your strength and one day, probably long after your poor battered head resembles overcooked cabbage, you'll be good enough to win the title. And the coveted championship wrestling belt will be yours. Then we've got some pull out facts down here at the bottom. It says eight frothing fighters to play against. Take the role of your favorite. Over 25 bone crushing, face mangling, head pounding moves to enjoy. Wow, that's a lot of adjectives. Uh, throw each other out of the ring. The crowd is a bunch of animals move up in the standings until you capture the championship wrestling belt, play against the computer or turn a buddy into putty (laughs) up to eight players can bash it out. And then, uh, like I said, there's a few screenshots here of the game. Uh, one says, reach out and punch someone. One says, you'll have to use your head to win and a few other key body parts as well. And the last one says, at this point, it might be an excellent time to think about a new career. There's just a picture of uh, the wrestler. One wrestler's laying. Uh, just in a fetal position (laughs) in the middle of the ring. And the other guy is bouncing against the ropes, obviously setting up uh, a big move. Uh, it does. This is one of the titles. Now uh, we've talked about this before in other episodes. Um, companies like epics and, and many other companies released the same game for multiple computer systems. You already know that, but what they did was they only made one box. And so they would use the box art of the best version. So this says screens from Commodore 64 slash 128 version of the game. Um, this was released for the Apple II. Some other systems we'll talk about. So, how disappointed would you be to be an Apple II user and buy this and then find out that the graphics don't look exactly like was on the box? That would be uh, um, a little upsetting. Um, when we start the game, well, uh, let's go to the manual because uh, the manual, the manual is like, um, a thick book (laughs) that needs to be read. And mostly because there are so many different moves. Uh, one of the things that I'm not going to go through in this episode, all the different moves and the controls, but, um, We're dealing with uh, a four-way or eight-way joystick and a single button. So when you say that there are 25 moves, that's not going to be easy to do. And it's not easy to do them all. Um, When you are not engaged, like not grappling with an opponent, there are eight moves. And when you are grappling, there are more moves. And then at different times, there are other moves. So to get 25 moves takes a lot of learning to be able to master that, which is ultimately one of the game's um, strengths and downfalls. Uh, the manual also goes through the eight wrestlers. We've got Casey Colossus, Purple Haze, Colonel Ruski, Prince Vicious, Claw. Uh, which is the guy that has a hood and a mask on. We've got Zeke Weasel, who looks like a hillbilly, the Berserker, and the Howling Manslayer. Um, there are also pictures of these guys both here and in the game. And as you begin to see the pictures, you could tell exactly which professional wrestlers that they have tried to rip off. When we boot the game, we go into a title screen, and you will see a blonde wrestler... And it, the this is the weirdest thing. It's like this guy is half Andre the Giant and half Hulk Hogan. Um, he looks like Andre the Giant. His face kind of looks like Andre the Giant. He's a big giant dude. And he obviously has Andre the Giant's hair, but the hair is blonde. Um, And it's got, I think it has, uh, I can't remember if it does or not, if it has hulk hogan's mustache i can't remember now but um but it's like they took two to avoid a lawsuit they took two wrestlers and combined them uh in the picture he is holding up the belt it's a very weird graphic and it's uh one of those pictures where when you look at it it doesn't really resemble the real world like the angles aren't quite right the the perspective isn't quite right but you know it's a title screen. It goes by pretty fast. It doesn't ruin the game. Uh, again, we have the developers listed on the screen. It says FRS Incorporated. So um, that, that's something that I didn't really know. Back in the day, I thought every Epic's game was made by a bunch of guys that worked for Epic's that were programmers that sat in a, an Epic's building in a room. So I didn't really realize that a lot of these games were made uh, by other companies and then were, were uh, published through a bigger company like Epic's. Uh, right past that title screen, we get to the menu. We have three options. We can practice. We could go into a competition or we could view the world records. Um, once you choose, um, uh, which, which style or which type of game you want to play. Now it's time to choose your wrestler. And once you do this again, this is when it becomes immediately apparent what wrestlers are being ripped off. I mean, the picture of Casey Colossus looks exactly like Hulk Hogan. Zeke Weasel looks like Hacksaw Jim Duggan or any of the other, you know, hillbilly-type wrestlers that we saw throughout the years. Uh, but everyone, when you look at them, you'll say, oh, yeah, yeah that, that resembles another professional wrestler. Um, once you have picked your wrestler, it will begin loading. And the Commodore 64... There are games. Uh, first of all, we all know that the Commodore sixty four has long loading times. Um, that that's just uh, an unfortunate. It had slow disk access, even with the the Epic's fast load. And this is an Epic's game. Uh, it, there is still a lot of loading in this game, and so it tries to hide it. Uh, in certain ways by putting things on the screen for you to look at while the game is loading. Um, and so after you've made your decisions of, uh, your characters, you've, you've, uh, chosen your, your characters, then it pops up these big, um, up shots of the two wrestlers faces. And it will give you some facts like their name and the city they're from. And it'll give you a quote, like, um, the, the default one from Casey just says, I'll rip your ears off and feed them to you. <laughs> uh, and then you're going to get some theme music that's going to be playing, but this is all, a lot of this is just designed to hide how much loading is in this game, because there is a lot of loading, unfortunately in this game, uh, once everything has loaded up, you will move to the game screen. And now we will be looking at a 3d isometric, uh, look of a wrestling ring, the wrestlers start out in opposite corners, one on the left and one on the right. So it's uh, the ring is almost diamond-shaped in the view that we are looking at it. Um, you've got some information at the top of the screen. There's a timer uh, that begins counting down. We have three-minute rounds. We've also got the score and the two wrestlers' names. There's a big Epics logo, uh, which is, again, one of those things where it's like – we already know who epics is. We bought the epics game. <laughs> the game said epics the title screen said epics the box says epics manual says epics um but they want to put it right there on the game screen as well like they don't want people to forget who made this game, which was not epics that was f r s incorporated but who published the game uh, of course, which was epics so they've got this epics logo um and then they have uh an animated crowd. Now, not everybody in the crowd is animated, and not everyone who is animated is moving all the time, but it is a more interactive crowd than you would expect to see on an 8 bit wrestling game. Uh, some of the people kind of move up and down. There are people, they will hold up signs. Uh, you'll hear, uh, you know, sound effects coming from the crowd. So it's actually kind of. <sighs> I don't want to say it's impressive because it's not that impressive, but it is surprising that they would have put that much work into, uh, something that doesn't really matter to the game other than, than adding, you know, a little bit of background ambience to the uh, wrestling game, but that's not what you're here for. You're here to pummel faces or whatever (laughs) it said on the back of the box. Um, so again, as I mentioned, we're we're dealing with, you know, an Atari style D B nine joystick uh, with one button and you've got twenty five moves. The manual I looked at this literally has ten pages uh to explain the moves. So there are um the moves when you uh, are free, like when you're moving around your motion, you know, you're, you're not engaged yet. And then there's a subsection of turnbuckle moves. So those are moves that could be performed near the turnbuckle. Uh, there are also a section of headlock moves. So, The controls are constantly changing. This is bad news for somebody like me that doesn't know how to play games like this and relies on button mashing. So uh, the key to button mashing is that when you bash the same button, it does the same thing. But that's not the case in this game. So depending on... Where you are, um, what situation you are in, the same, you know, pressing the fire button over and over may do something different uh, than it was doing before. So, again, um, uh, if you are into simulation style wrestling games and you want a wrestling game with some depth, you're going to love this because uh, there's a lot of choices, there's a lot of options, things to do. If you are like me and you're looking for arcade action, kind of wrestling game, then you may not actually love this. Um, it's hard to deny that the game looks pretty good. I mean, at this point in time, 1986, this may have been the best looking wrestling game available on the Commodore 64. Uh again, it is part action and part strategy, although to get further in the game, you're really going to have to start learning all those moves. Uh it, it is just impossible to button mash your way through all the way to get the championship belt. It's just uh, not going to happen. The, the biggest Detriment to the game again is not really the depth of the moves, but it's the long loading times. Uh it just really kills any momentum that you build up. There's nothing more frustrating if you've ever played old school games than making a choice, waiting, making a choice, waiting, doing something, loading. And now we get to fight for a few minutes. And now there's more loading and now there's more choosing. And it just really takes away the, the excitement of, uh, you know, being involved in a fighting type game or sports, you know, wrestling, uh, style game. The uh, manual says, helpfully that the game will keep score for you, which is nice of the game. I hate games where I'm required to keep my own score. Uh, you can get five, between five and 45 points. different moves depending on how well you pull them off you can also get 250 points for pinning your opponent and then there are bonus points that can be achieved for doing all kinds of things like beating your opponent like a wet macaroni noodle and speaking of wet macaroni noodles talking snack Ladies and gentlemen, we are on location at the Mall of America. We are just outside Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I have three of my Patreon supporters with me. Olaf Hope, Paul Nermanen, and the one and only Steve Sharipa. Now, I have brought these three gentlemen with me because... The one and only Hulk Hogan is about to launch his brand new restaurant, Pasta Mania, here at the mall. And I have scored four vouchers for free bowls of Hulkaroos. So while we're, oh, wait, wait, wait. It looks like they are getting ready to go live right now. Jordan's got his restaurant in Chicago. Coach Don Shore of the Miami Dolphins, he's got a steakhouse. But WCW's own world heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan, he's got Pasadena in the Mall of
1: America. I want to try to get a word with him. If I can squeeze in there, Hulk Hogan coming up. Debut edition of Monday Nitro. You've got Big Bub in the main event. Who is the greatest wrestler in the world? You know something, Eric Bischoff, tonight on Monday Nitro, Pasta Mania has got all my Hulkamaniacs running wild. And I've eaten so many Hulkaroos and Hulkies, I kind of feel sorry for Big Bubba, brother. Because tonight, brother, first time on TNT, I'm putting the WCW heavyweight title on the line. And with Pasta Mania running through my brain, who's going to beat Big Bubba tonight, Hulkamaniacs? Oh! And when I'm done dragging him around the Mall of America, and all my pasta maniacs are tearing their WCW shirts off, brother, I'm going to give Big Bubba a dose of my Hulkaroos up there, and then I'm going to body slam him again. You know, with little Hulkamaniacs like that, pasta maniacs all around the Mall of America, Big Bubba, you better tighten up that waistline, brother, because... The Hulkster Slim and Trim. I've been eating my pasta mania. And what you going to do in the Mall of America, brother, when Hulk Hogan, pasta mania, and all my pasta maniacs run wild on you? What's you going to do? All
0: right. All right. So while the other guys are waiting to receive their bowls of Hulkaroos, I've got a few topics to cover on this week's news segment. Uh, The first is the absence of Patreon subscriber Dave Zilly. Now, Dave was going to make the trip with us to Minnesota, but he has been busy recording his own podcast. Dave has launched a podcast called The 8-Bit Files. He has released uh, him and his uh, childhood computing buddy, have released, I believe, seven episodes at the time of this recording. There is one about BBSs. There's one about the Vectrex. There's one about Atari 8-bit computers. Uh, So if you like Sprite Castle and if you like my other podcast, You Don't Know Flack, then you are definitely going to like uh, Dave's new podcast, The 8-Bit Files. You can find, uh, I think if you just search 8-Bit Files, on itunes you'll find it but they are branching out i think they have a youtube channel i think they have a twitter account um so they they are getting into the social media space as well i don't know if i mentioned they had a episode on the atari 2600 which i really enjoyed as well so anyway um just a little plug for my friend dave uh if you're looking for more podcasts to listen to and you like old computers and old games and things like that, go check out the 8-bit files. Uh, There is a Commodore 64 documentary in production called I Adore My C64. It is a documentary about the Commodore 64 scene from a U.S. perspective. Now that part really piques my interest because Uh, There's so much out there about the uh, U.K. scene, about PAL, about uh, all these things overseas. But uh, the U.S. scene may have been smaller than what was happening uh, in the U.K., but uh, it it was different and, uh, you know, deserves to be, um, you know, investigated and, and reported and recorded and stuff. So I'm really, really... Excited about watching this project grow. Uh, I know uh, Bo Zimmerman and uh, Leif uh, Bloomquist have already been interviewed. I think Robin Harbin uh, is uh, participating in it, so uh, you never know who could end up uh, getting interviewed in that film. Hmm. Never know, never know. Uh, Anyway, go check out IAdoreMy64Film.com There is a 10-minute teaser trailer uh, that you can watch to give you an idea of what the documentary is going to be like, and there's some more information there. I know that they uh, they had a Kickstarter, which uh, has come and gone, but uh, it's never too late. There's also a Facebook uh, group that you can follow for information, and, and uh, they're they're posting some uh, Commodore 64 stuff there as well. So go check out I Adore My C64. And, and yeah, C64. I was like, C, C? My C Commodore 64. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I've only had one of these things for 40 something years. You think I'd get it right? Um, I have here in my notes that uh, next weekend is Boat Fest. So that tells you how outdated my notes are. I have already been to Boat Fest. I drove to Boat Fest, uh, which was in Hurricane, West Virginia. That was uh, the last week of June. And uh, uh, Boat Fest is hosted by Boat. Uh, Bodakar is his alias. Uh, you may know him as John Schaller. He is one half of the Amigos podcast along with Amigo Aaron. Um, I, I, I can't explain how much fun I had at BoatFest. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. It was, I think, about 40 people. I think. There There's a couple of group photos that I looked at. I think there were about 40 people. Um, there were so many great people there there were a lot of people there from uh uh the previous year this is the second time that they've had boat fest um of course uh, I, I mentioned uh, boat and uh, amigo aaron also the brent who is uh, amigo aaron's co-host on uh, ARG presents on their podcast um oh my gosh there were just so many so many great people there uh, i got to meet uh petzl and uh, Jason Warrens and Mitsuyama flew over from uh, the UK and Graham Vebke flew in from Australia. Uh, it's just unbelievable the, uh, uh, you know how far people were willing to travel to, to come hang out. And again, you know I have been to really, really large game uh, events. I went to CGE a few years in a row. I, I think CGE had like 3,000 people. I, I don't know if that's right, but that, I think that feels right. And uh, I mean, this had 40 people, and you go, well, I mean, can you just get 40 people together locally? Um, and, And in a way, I mean, that's kind of what they do. The whole vibe of this thing is, you know, copy fest. The vibe is local computer club, local computer gathering. You know, it is an entire room of like minded people, of people that want to show off. You know, I kind of describe this as um, almost like a car show, but for retro computing fans. Like, everybody wants to show off what they brought, and they also want to see what other people brought. So there's no, when I say show off, I don't mean that uh, in a negative sense, like an ego thing. It's like, you know, people going, hey, check out this thing I got. And and you go, wow, that's really cool. Uh, Pac Billy and his brother came, and Pac Billy... Uh, they had a, a gaming tournament, so there were tournaments. Um, there there was just so much cool stuff to see, do. It was a, a, a fun three-day weekend. If they do it again next year, I will go again next year. Um, and uh, So along with everybody else that I got to meet, um, my buddy Jeff, who I talk about on all the episodes of this show. Uh, Jeff went with me, and the two of us rented an RV. So I've talked about on You Don't Know Flack, my other podcast, I've talked about my interest in uh, van life and the van community. And I was hoping to have my van built out enough to make this trip, but it wasn't ready. So I thought, you know what, let's do something wacky and rent an RV. And uh, it was wacky. That's what I'll say. It was super expensive. (laughs) It was way more expensive than it would have been to uh, fly both of us first class and stay... Uh, like rent an entire hotel maybe <laughs> I don't know but um, uh, it, it was uh, uh, it was way more expensive but you know what sometimes it ain't about the money sometimes it's about the experience and going with your you know your childhood friend I mean the guy you've been friends with for your whole life and and uh, taking a road trip and going and hanging out and, and playing with computer stuff and whatever we just had a blast uh, and Jeff had a good time at the show too He is not um, as into the retro stuff as I am. I mean, I would say he's not into it at all, really. Like, he doesn't uh, play retro games. Uh, He plays a lot of modern games. But uh, he was there with me, you know, in the 80s. He was there. He was doing Commodore stuff, you know, side by side. And uh, so he does remember all those things, and he had a good time revisiting that. And he also has an interest in the the technical side of things too. You know, the uh, people that were doing repairs and the soldering and things like that. So, um, you know, he he got a kick out of that. So, and we got to meet some some new people that we hadn't met before that were super interesting, and see some old friends. Uh, just a great time, a great time. And uh, uh, I, I have a blog post on RobOhera.com where I kind of summed up Boat Fest. If you want to search YouTube, I think there's some videos out there where people took videos of boat fest uh so there's footage and stuff out there but uh you know that's all i could say it was a a great time and it it really rekindled my interest again you know in old computers and games and stuff like that it's hard man staying interested in this stuff uh for years and decades is hard and uh um i'm going to talk a little bit about that in the next uh, uh news story but uh Um, It's hard to maintain that passion, you know. And so things like this where you get together with other people that are into it and, uh, you know, it it rekindles that flame. You got to keep it burning. Uh, The last thing I was going to talk about is uh, that I just, this is hot off the presses, I just saw a tweet and read an article a couple hours ago that said vintage is the new, old is closing. Uh, They cited the uh, lack of uh, interaction response to some of their to their posts the lack of uh, interest in long form articles they have been writing they had a uh, a writing competition and man i have an article i wrote three-fourths of an article and then i went to boat fest and uh, i lost track of time i was going to send it in but uh, they had a writing contest and i think one of the Participants got a little ugly with them, and uh, I think that might have been the, the, the straw that broke the, the camel's back, so to speak. But, uh, and the other thing they, they said was uh, they got frustrated of, of writing news stories and then just being, you know, copied by other websites. And so, um, you know, here's what I'll say number one, I get it. I, I get every single thing <laughs> uh, that was said in the article uh, and, and their, their farewell. Um, you know, man, it, 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 nobody has done this stuff and not felt like they are shouting into a void. Nobody has released a podcast and then sat there and waited and got no feedback for days or weeks and and wonder did I did I send it? Did anybody listen to it? Did you know what happened? Um, you know, I I've written blog posts and then about vacations and then have family members ask me, you know, so how was your vacation? And I'm like, look, i literally just posted it or, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's difficult to do stuff day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade. Uh, in some cases, you know, I've been podcasting for 15 years, so there's definitely ebbs and flows. Uh, and, and, and there are times where you feel like you're doing it and there's nobody out there, you know? Um, I will say this. At Boat Fest, I had people come up to me that I had not met that said, "I listen to your podcast. I know all about you. I know all your stories. I've listened to every episode, or I listened to episodes on the way here, things like that." And it just reminds you that even though you may not be getting a tangible measure of listeners or readers, there are people out there listening and reading, and um, and I'm, and you have to tell yourself that. And I don't mean that in a fake way. Like I'm not saying you have to tell yourself that. Even if it's not true, it it is true. There are lots of listeners and lots of people out there. Um, You know, how many times have you watched a YouTube video and and heard them say, "Don't forget to like and subscribe," and then I I don't do that. I always forget. You know, or or uh, I'm like, I don't want to do that, or or it just goes in one ear and out the other. You know what I mean? Um, But on the other side of that screen is somebody that's desperately, uh, you know, every time someone clicks like, every time I get a notification for Big Rob's van. That someone liked my most recent video or subscribed or whatever. I, 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 every time I get a reply to my video, I immediately run to YouTube and I respond. <laughs> I click the heart, I click the like, I leave a response, like every single one, you know. So um, uh, th- there is a certain amount of dopamine that comes from that feedback, and so when you don't get that, man, I get it. And and to go one step further, if people are being ugly to you, um, then I don't blame you. I don't blame you for getting out of the game, you know. Um, it, that that uh, that kind of stuff is just not called for when all of us are more or less generating, uh, you know, free stuff, free shows, free. Uh, I don't like the word free content, but you know, we're all writing blog posts and tweets and and podcasts and and music and art and all these things. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, when I was younger, if you if you didn't if somebody If somebody handed you a free sandwich and you didn't like it, you said thank you, and then you might not eat it. You might throw it away once you're around the corner, but you wouldn't cuss them out and hit them in the face with it. (laughs) That seems like what people do sometimes. I don't get it, but um, anyway, uh, you know, I I will say Vintage uh, is the New Old is a a, a website that uh, I I check frequently. Uh, I used to check it a lot for news, but they kind of quit posting news, but I I read the articles, and... um, uh, you know they uh, tweeted a lot of things and links to articles and stuff and I always check that out so they'll anybody that is contributing to a hobby you like you should appreciate I'm not saying that you gotta click like on every single thing uh, or pay every single person or whatever you know but uh, it's just a nice thing to remember that there are human beings on the other side of this except for my new podcast which will be all AI generated but <laughs> boy wouldn't that be easy Uh, Anyway, so, uh, sad to hear, but uh, I completely understand where they are coming from. Um, It looks to me like the guys are going back for seconds of these bowls of pasta. I don't know what's going on around here. So, uh, we got to get back to the show. If you would like to help pick future games for Sprite Castle or would just like to uh, support my podcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara, sign up on the fun, and you could find yourself at the Mall of America eating a bowl of pasta. The reviews of this game were surprisingly good. Computer and Video Game Magazine gave it 8 out of 10, Commodore Format gave it a 75% out of 100, and Commodore User gave it nine out of 10. I see that zap gave it 80 and computer gamer gave it an 88. Those are all really, really good scores. Championship wrestling was also ported to the Atari ST and the Apple II the following year. Now, this is kind of confusing. I found uh, Moby Games says that it was ported to the Commodore 16 and Plus 4. I have not been able to verify that with any footage or documentation, but I did see it listed on multiple sites. The problem is I don't know if those sites are using Moby Games as their source. So if you could find a Commodore 16 or Commodore Plus 4 version, of Championship Wrestling. I would be interested in seeing that. Uh, There are no updated versions of this or remakes, anything like that. Uh, If you want to own it, you're going to have to track down the original and that might be more difficult than you would think. I did not see a complete version for sale uh, currently or previously on eBay. I did find copies that were of the disc only for $10 and I did find the Apple II Two version complete for around thirty. So, I don't think it's rare. I just don't think it's very common. When it pops up, that's about the price range I would expect to spend, somewhere in the twenty-five dollars to thirty dollar range. And now let's talk about my personal memories of championship wrestling. All
1: right, time travelers, sure. the the uh-huh. doorway to the past. Man. Huh? Huh? <laughs>
0: So when friends came over to visit, they always wanted to play on the computer. And so it was up to you, the host, to find games that both of you ideally could play at the same time. So there were, you know, board games or uh, strategic games like chess or checkers, but those weren't very fun to play. There were racing games, but not very many racing games were two players simultaneously. There were some pit stop two is one, uh, but a lot of racing games are just one person at a time. Um, But then you got into like games where two people could fight. So fighting games were a good one to play. And then wrestling kind of falls into that same category, um, but also falls under sports games and a lot of sports games. Uh, allowed player versus player, two people, simultaneous gaming at the same time. Um, One of the downfalls of some of those games is that they were complicated to learn how to play. And so if you had a friend who wasn't familiar with the game or worse, wasn't familiar with the Commodore 64, they were going to be at a great disadvantage. Now there are games, imagine a game, uh, this is not for the Commodore, but let's say something like Mortal Kombat. Uh, A friend could come over and you would say, you want to play Mortal Kombat? And even though maybe you've played it a few times and they haven't played it, if you play it four or five times, they're going to have a fighting chance. They're going to learn some of the strategies. They're going to learn how to do the keys, things like that. But there were games Like some of the summer games, the epics games, uh, events that were so difficult, like the gymnastics and the, I think the bull riding and, and skateboarding and some of those events from those different types of games were so difficult that unless you'd read the manual and practice, you didn't have a chance. Uh, and especially not competing against someone who, uh, you know, quote unquote, had the home field advantage, right? Someone who owned the game and knew how to play it. And I think championship wrestling falls into that category where, um, you know, if a friend had come over and I don't remember like specifically loading this game up, but I'm sure we did anything that would have been wrestling and, and, uh, you know, a game like this, I'm, I'm positive that I played this with my friends back in the day, but. The person who knew how to play and knew how to do those 25 moves would have had a great advantage over your friend who's just picking up a joystick and trying to mash buttons. So, um, you know, I, I think a, uh, uh, just an arcade style wrestling game would probably be more popular um, for you know entry level your your friends coming over and playing that that would probably go over better than just handing a friend a joystick and saying uh, you know hang on to your head <laughs> as i'm about to pummel it For graphics, I give Championship Wrestling four out of five pile drivers. There's a lot of detail. Everything looks really good, including that animated crowd that we get in the wrestling scenes. Uh, for music, we also get four out of five pile drivers. There's a lot of uh, theme songs and entry music and things like that going on. And for sound effects, again, I'll give it four out of five pile drivers. There are a lot of different sound effects built into this game. For overall gameplay, I'll let you decide. If you're an arcade-style gamer, then I will tell you it's probably a 3 out of 5. If you are a fan of wrestling and you really get into the strategy of this game, then it is a solid 4 out of 5 And maybe even better. Uh, It is a great game if you are willing to put the time in and learn all the moves. Again, I've said it before, it's not a pick-up-and-play game. But there is a lot to explore within this title. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobO'Hara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave a message on the podcast hotline at 405 486 YDKF. Hey, you know what? I need to update this because I have been pretty active recently on Instagram. Uh, under Commodork, and I have recently just signed up to Threads, also under Commodork. So two more places to follow along with the fun and the adventure. Uh, Championship Wrestling was selected as this episode's game by Patreon supporters like BPG, Steve Rasmussen, and Matthew Perrone. If you would like to help pick games to be featured on future episodes of Sprite Castle, Read behind-the-scenes blog posts, watch weekly videos, and get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and receive other additional perks. Wow, that list has grown. Uh, support tiers start at just $2 a month. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hare. castle is available on all major podcast providers, including the official Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast More details about this and all my shows are available at podcast.robohara.com. News and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore News, Indie Retro News, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to dropping slobberknockers, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle.